everybody. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's Thursday night. It's our midweek Bible study. Not necessarily the middle of the week, but for us it's the middle of the week. And we're getting ready to get into the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. Just um, by way of announcement, I um, want to remind you that this coming Tuesday, at 6 p.m., um, uh, we will be at the Hamilton Township Municipal Building, and we will go before their zoning board. Um, to They're going to hear our case on uh, why they should grant us a use variance for us to have uh, church services in the building we're attempting to purchase. And so if there's anyone that's available to be there, love for you to come. Everything for me, um, I treat life as an experience in all that I do. So if it's something that I don't know about and I like to know about, I get involved and try to learn about it because you just never know when what you learn will come in handy. And so if you are able and available, I'd love for you to be there at 6 p.m. Come early. Don't come late. We don't want to get out the gate. Um, <laughs> you know, not not putting our best foot forward. And so we're going to, our uh, I teased the attorneys today, we had a, a conference, a Zoom call, and I told them that they was the, um, the, the Johnny Cochran's team. They, they almost fell out of their seats <laughs> uh, because we've got everybody for something. And so, hey, still, it's still in the hands of the Lord. You know, that's just kind of how we do. It's interesting to watch people um, that are professional um, in what they do. They do everything professionally. They're, they dot their I's, cross their T's. They make sure that they um, have everything together, and all of that is necessary. And I'm right there with them, but at the same time, I'm saying, but I got Jesus, though, <laughs> because um, you just never know. Um, doesn't matter what uh, it may be in our world. Bottom line is when it um, requires people uh, to weigh in, to make decisions, you never know how it will go, you know. Um, so we're just going to continue to trust the Lord and look for a favorable, um, uh, whatever um, the, 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 the township may say, that it will be favorable for us that we can move forward. Amen. We've come a long way. And so we're looking for the Lord to take us the entire way, and I believe that he will. So we're fasting and praying. Um, I had originally men mentioned um, to, I don't remember if I mentioned it to the congregation. Um, I know I mentioned it to the leadership team. And I mentioned to the leaders that we need to fast and pray starting today. Um, if we can, you know, fast and pray just kind of submitting ourselves to the Lord and allowing the Lord's will to be done, um, that would be great. And last night I 
mentioned to the leadership group that we'll extend our fast through Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. So if you haven't gotten involved in the fast, get involved. Um, if you can get, you know, at least two or three days in in, in your fasting, that would be great. Uh, seeking the Lord and just kind of, you know, asking the Lord to have his way and um, align aligning ourselves with his will and his plan. So if you can join us in fasting and praying, uh, we're doing so and um, uh, from today through Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. So if you can join us, that will be great. The other thing that I want to mention is um, we talked uh, last night uh, on our leadership meeting about our family meeting, our family Zoom meeting. Um, that was um, interesting. Um, there are some of you that want to, uh, we have kind of ne neglected our family Zoom meeting, and we haven't had that in a while, and there's some of you that would like to have it, and so we're going to have it. The next one is scheduled for September 13th, and um, what's interesting about our family Zoom meeting is we needed that because of how things began to pan out because of the pandemic. And we needed to see each other's face because, you know, everyone didn't get to see everyone when we come to Sunday morning service because we had two different services. Um, but we're hoping that we'll be in the building in, 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 um, in the near future. And hopefully when we go in the building, we will not need to do the family Zoom because we can have fellowship after church. Amen. And we can even have um, – because we had started doing um, um, church – um, membership meetings where we will take an hour after uh, service on a Sunday and just kind of go through, you know, updates and status of the church. And so that's kind of what we were trying to use the Zoom meeting to do for Family Zoom. Um, so if you have any uh, questions, any opinions, any suggestions about anything concerning your church, our suggestion box is over there on top of the counter over there. Write your suggestion, type your suggestion, doesn't matter how you do it. Drop it in the box. We'll take a look at it. And at some point when we get together for our family Zoom meeting, we will be able to have discussion about any questions, any concerns, any suggestions you may have. Amen. Hallelujah. Did everybody got all of that? Yes, sir. Say, say again. Same thing. You just told me two of the same thing. Yes, down the road on Greenwood Avenue. It's down the road on Greenwood Avenue. <laughs> That's my point. You were right in both instances. In order to get to Greenwood, you got to go down the road. So it's down the road on Greenwood Avenue. Absolutely, yes. So, yes, yeah, that, that's where the municipal building is. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, let's stand to our feet. We're going to go before the Lord. In prayer, amen. Thank you, Lord. We've got a, a great group of um, leaders in our church, and uh, we, you know, I thank God for this church. Um, God has put us together, and um, I look forward to um, all the things that God has in store for us. Um, we're learning a lot of things. We're growing together, and God is going to use us together to have a great impact um, in, in this area. We're so glad and we're so thankful for it. Amen. But I want you to pray with me tonight. I believe um, 
our Bible study lesson tonight is something that will be of significance in our Christian walk. I believe it can help us, and if we will apply the teaching, uh, I believe God will help us tonight. Good to see everyone. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We come before you with thanksgiving and praise in our hearts. We're so grateful, Lord God, because you have brought us together one more time. Oh, God, there is none like you. Great is your faithfulness. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Jesus, you are our God, our king, our master, our ruler, and you are also our father. You are our friend. And, oh, God, we're thankful, Lord God, that you revealed yourself to us, Lord. We're thankful for your love. We're thankful for your grace, your kindness, your mercy. And, oh, my God, tonight we've come before you sincerely and humbly. We open up our heart to you to say, God, whatsoever your will, we pray you will impart to us. We say, God, whatever you have in store for us, we want it to be done, Lord. We say, God, we are here to just worship you and adore you and love you, Lord. Oh, God, will you stir up the gift that's inside of us? We want the Holy Ghost power to be magnified and to be demonstrated in this house tonight, Lord God. That whatsoever is done in here tonight, Lord, it will not just be by the word of the Lord, but it will be by demonstration and by power from Almighty God, our great God. Oh, Lord, have your way tonight. Bind us together in unity. Align us with your will and with your purpose, Lord. Allow us to be in the flow of your spirit as you rain down from heaven upon us, Lord. Will you speak to us, Lord Jesus? Will you anoint me as your oracles to speak, Lord God? And, oh, God, will you truly, so, God, let us hear what the Spirit is saying unto us, oh, God. We give you honor and praise, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. Touch us in a mighty way. Those that are in the house, Lord God, those who have joined us, Lord God, on the live stream, Lord, online service, Lord God, have your way with us tonight, Lord God. Oh, Father, move upon us, Lord. Lord, have your way, Lord Jesus. We give you praise and honor, Lord. We want your will to be done. We want the kingdom of God to be manifested in this house. Oh, Lord, will you move in this place tonight? Will you move on our online congregation in the name of Jesus Christ? Lord, will you do a work in this place? Will you do a work in our heart, Lord God? And will you allow us, Lord, to receive from you? everything that you have in store for us. Oh God, we give you the praise and the honor. We bless your name. The Lord is good. Your mercy everlasting. Your truth endure it to all generation. I will bless the Lord at all times. Your praise shall continually be in our mouths. Oh God, you are great and greatly to be praised. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, blessed be the name of Jesus. Jesus. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise. Let's honor him. Let's bless his name. Jesus, you are our God. Jesus, you are the almighty God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 
The presence of the Lord is in this place. Oh, Father, have your way tonight, Lord. Not our will, but your will be done. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Our our 5 a.m. prayer had went way down. We're coming back up. We're, we're about at 12 people now. 14? All right. The high number is 14. If we can get it up a little bit more, that will be great. But encourage our brothers and sisters to join us at 5 a.m. or somewhere around about within that time, within the 5 and you know, 5.45 a.m., can't say 5 to 6, because if you come on at 6, we're done. So get on between 5 and 5.45, and uh, you can join us in prayer as the Lord is helping us and touching us in a special way. Amen. Also, you know, I thought about, I said, you know, for those of us that have made pledges um, to give to our campaign, now's a good time to start, you know, if you haven't... Uh, Given all that um, you had pledged to give, then probably you want to figure out how you can do that now. And if you have given all that you had pledged to give, maybe you got to figure if you can give just a little bit more. Because we are right on the cusp of um, the next phase, uh, which is to make the purchase. And so we are just that close and uh, we're just trusting God. But we also have to do our part and not take anything for granted. And we can't just say, well, I know somebody else will. You know, if I can't do it, I know somebody else will. I think a lot of times we do that when we're part of a group or organization. We say somebody else will if I can't. But sometimes we have to tell ourselves, no, no, no. I have to do what I have to do. And if everybody, if anybody else does, that's great. But I still need to do my part. So uh, keep that in mind. We're getting close. Amen. Hallelujah. We are getting close. I had a long meeting today, a Zoom meeting with all the folks that is representing this church. And so we're gearing up for Tuesday. Hallelujah. Well, uh, turn your Bibles with me to Matthew 25, verse number 14. I want to thank God for uh, the, 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 the ministers that ministered this past Sunday. Um, heard you all had a great time. They ministered to your hearts. And we thank God for that. Amen. God is no respect of persons. And all he needs is willing vessels. I can't say that enough. I must have said that a ton this past weekend in Connecticut. That a lot of times, you know, I don't know if it's subconsciously. Um, that we tend to just believe that we have a, 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 a great hand in what God is doing. And we really don't. The best hand we have to play is being available and submitted to God. That's your best hand you have to play. You don't have no other hand in this. If you stay submitted to God and you make yourself available to God, that's your strongest hand you can play. But a lot of times we tend to think as Christians and even as people because we probably, you know, kind of have that in us where we feel like, you know, I got to do something. I can do something to make things happen. And uh, the truth of the matter is, God is in control. We just have to be submitted to the Lord. So understand that's our best hand we can play. Any one of us as Christians is submitted to God 
and being available. Available is a big one. We'll look at that a little bit tonight. I want to talk to you a little bit tonight on this topic, kingdom success. Kingdom success. Uh, I've talked about the kingdom of God in many different ways, but tonight I want to talk to you about kingdom success. I believe it's a a very important topic um, because, you know, we tend to want to know, you know, or we tend not to know what does success look like for a Christian, right? And so if we're in the kingdom of God, if we're Christians, saints of God, what does success look like for us? How do we know we're being successful? How do we know um, we're succeeding in living for God? And um, a lot of times we don't know how to measure that. We don't know how to weigh that. Um, you know, we're thinking, hey, I need to hear from God whether or not um, – I'm, I'm, I'm a success in living for him, but hopefully when I'm done tonight, you will know if you are a success or you are succeeding or not. And if you're not, what do you need to do? Amen. Uh, Matthew 25, verse number 14, the word of God says, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man, according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained besides them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which had ten talents. For unto every one that had shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that had not shall be taken away even that which he had. 
and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I think the last time I taught from this, par- this passage of scripture was in October of 2021. And the interesting thing about um, going back to a portion of scripture in the Bible and teaching about it is uh, if you continue to study God's word, God will allow you to see it in a different way. And remember, I've told you before that there are so many layers to the word of God. And what you read and understand, what God revealed to you at the moment is what he needed to reveal to you at the moment regarding his word. But that doesn't mean that's everything that you had received about that word. And so when you go back again, if God needed you to see it differently, see something in it that you didn't see before, he will. And this is why I say all the time we have to be uh, students of the word of God. The Bible says study to show yourself approved. A workman needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God, the word of truth. And so uh, it's important that we always go back and take a look at it because God will speak something to you differently from that same passage of scripture. And so this is how I feel about what I'm talking to you about tonight is I feel like God has given me a different um, understanding or just um, take us a little deeper, give us uh, a greater revelation, greater understanding of the word of God. According to society of this world, success is defined as the accomplishment of one's goal. Success is defined as the accomplishment of one's goal. It's also defined as the attainment of wealth, position, honor, or the alike. It's also defined as a person or thing that has had success as measured by attainment of goals, wealth, and so on. So our world have a definition for success, just like all the other words that we know. There's a definition for it, but that definition is according to the wisdom of man. However, as Christians or disciples of Jesus Christ or saints of God, success in the kingdom of God is defined much differently. Remember, Jesus Christ said his kingdom is not of this world. Therefore, his kingdom operates differently from the kingdoms of this world. And that's something that it it might seem like a common thing that we should know, but I think it's something that we need to ponder a whole lot more than we ponder, that the kingdom of God operates different from the kingdoms of this world. It operates different from our world system. And when we understand that, maybe we will be a little bit more uh, careful in our actions and and, and our deeds. The, the other night I was uh, teaching discipleship class on Tuesday. I teach discipleship class. We start at 8 p.m. and we're normally done 8.45 or somewhere around there. And I was teaching. The lesson that I've been on um, is talking about the church. And um, I was teaching a little bit, um, a lot of different things about the church. And I was showing them uh, how we take a lot of things for granted. We just read them and, you know, kind of hear it and we run with it and, and just kind of figure, okay. And 
it's interesting. One of the things that we looked at was how the Lord is showing us that the relationship, right, relationship between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, comparing to the relationship between the Almighty God, Jesus Christ, and his church is similar. And it's, it's, it's very important to look at that relationship between husband and wife and then look at how God intends for the church and him to interact. And so when you start to think about that, uh, we, we looked at uh, some of the things that um, we were going about and we were saying that, you know, if, if, if the church is supposed to be the wife of Christ, because Christ will will consummate the marriage when we finally uh, is raptured out of here. But we are what we call um, um, the Bible calls it in Matthew. It, it, it calls it um, espoused. We are espoused to the Lord. And so the, um, the wedding is coming. But when someone is espoused to someone, it means that it's almost like a contract. It's like you're supposed to act like the bride already. Right. And so if the man is espoused to the woman, she is contractually or whatever way you want to uh, state it, that she is already supposed to, you know, live her life like she's his bride. And then when the wedding ceremony takes place, then, you know, we move forward. And I said, if the church is going to be married, like she will be married to the Lord, the church is supposed to be a virgin. Because that's the right way. We have messed it all up, okay? I mean, me and so many of us, we, you know, you know, <laughs> we got together, no marriage, we had kids, so we messed up. So please, again, we're not talking about the kingdom of God. We're not talking about the world. We're talking about the kingdom of God. And so that's how it's, we're supposed to be a virgin. And virgin is supposed to conduct herself a certain way. And so just for a little bit, you know, I always get into this, just for a little bit, I said, you know, we fight standards and we have all kind of opinion about standards. But if we study our word and realize the church is supposed to be a virgin that's preparing to marry Christ and she's supposed to conduct herself to please the one she's going to marry and he expects you to be a certain way. How are you going to fight it? You don't you don't really. I mean, what's your deal? And so we have all of this looseness, so to speak, within the body that we feel like this is not necessary. And, ah, you know, I don't see why we got to do that. And, you know, and we have all these conversations. And I'm like, if you really get in the word and realize who you are, then we wouldn't even be having these discussions. But we just read the surface of the word and just say, OK, it says this and it says thee and thou. And we just run with it and not realize the significance of the word and and don't and and not realize that God is not like us. He doesn't put words down. He doesn't speak words and say, "Oh, by the way, that was just a throwaway line." God don't have throwaway lines. We have throwaway lines. You know, "How you doing today?" "Oh, I'm good." That's a throwaway cuz you're not good sometimes, but you say, "I'm good." God don't do that kind of stuff. He has no throwaway lines. So we don't realize that he has no throwaway line. So everything he says is significant and it means something. But we just take it and run with it because, you know, we, we don't want to spend the time to get into it. So the kingdom operates, kingdom of God operates different than the kingdoms of this world. And so we've got to come to that understanding and realize 
that if I'm living for God, I got to evaluate the things that I do or not do and evaluate and see, is this kingdom um, concept or principles or is this more worldly? The text we just read stated that the master distributed his goods according to the ability of his service. Each servant get what each can conveniently and effectively handle. Now, this is important because as we know, that text is, is, is an example as to God, almighty God, the Lord Jesus and us giving us talents, giving us goods, giving us whatever it is that he gives us. And he has taken a far long journey, but he's coming back. So we have to read this text and put ourselves in it to say, all right, that was those servants and that was that master. But now let's flip it and say, Jesus is the master and we are his servants. And the same, because he's no respect of person, the same that he required as he's teaching us and showing us the example, the same that was required of those servants toward their master, same is required of us and our master. So when you read it, put yourself in it, okay? And so he gave them goods according to their ability that each of them can conveniently and effectively handle, and no one is expected to produce results out of the proportion to his or her ability. So whatever ability or Goods, let me just stick with that, goods or talent, whatever God has entrusted you with, none of us can say, well, I couldn't handle it. None of us will be able to say, well, you know, that was too much. You know, we like the quote, the Lord will never put more on you than you can bear, and that's true. And so whatever God is asking of us, it's because he's already qualified us to give it. Remember I told you? He qualified Adam without us knowing because we still should be in awe of how intelligent, how smart Adam was. And he didn't go to school. He didn't go to any university. He didn't go to an Ivy League, but he was just so intelligent and so smart because God qualifies us for what he wants us to do. So qualification has nothing to do with you. It has to do with God qualifying you to do what he wants you to do. So a lot of times we want to say, well, I don't know if I can do this or I don't know if I can do that. But from the from the mere fact that it's God that called you to do something, it means you are already qualified to do what God called you to do. The word ability tells us something about the statement, every man according to his several ability. It's interesting when you look at that, because the Bible says he gave every man uh, goods, talents, according to their ability. What popped out in my mind when I heard that was, okay, God, if you're giving people talents according to their ability that you have given them, it means you're expecting something. 
Because why would you give us ability and you don't care? What do we need ability for if you don't need us to have ability to do something? So if God has given us talents according to our ability that he has given us, then he's expecting something from us. If he didn't expect anything, he wouldn't need to give us ability. Mm -hmm. And that's a law that we probably can use in general in in our world. Right. Josiah, when you show up for basketball, normally the best five that have the best ability, that's the starters. Right. They don't look around with someone with less ability and says, OK, I'm going to let you start. No, you don't have as much ability as this one. So the bottom line is those of you who have the ability, you're expected to do something with it. God has given us all ability. Ability, the definition of ability, competence in doing something, competence in an activity or occupation because of one's skill, training, or qualification. So ability is you having the competence in an activity or occupation because of your skill, because of your training or your qualification. The Lord has given us ability given us skill, give us training, and give us qualification. Uh, our kids' elementary school, um, the, the people that know Jordan is always fascinated with Jordan. And one of the reasons why is they think everything Jordan does, he do good at it. And they're trying to figure out, like, if he plays baseball, they're like, look at his form, look what he's doing. If he plays soccer, he does well. If he plays basketball, he does well. And then the final straw the other day was when they had that concert and he killed the drums. And they're like, what can't he do? How is he good at the drums? He's good at basketball. And they're running down like, what in the world is going on? So they are looking at that. But what I'm saying is God gave him those abilities. God gave him those talents. So our qualification to do something is because God has equipped us to do it. That, that's what it is. God has given us that. So that, that's all we just need to say. Well, God gave it to us. God gave me the, 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 the talent that I have. So when the scripture says that the master gave talents to his servants according to their own ability, that was implying that they were required, obligated to do something with what they were given. All of us have been given ability by God. All of us have been given goods and talents by God, and God is expecting something in return. All of us have been given money, talent, goods by the Lord Jesus with the ability to do something with it. And so we ought to stop now and start asking ourselves, okay, God, if you have given me talents, if you have given me ability, now what am I supposed to be doing? Or what is the, what, what is the talent, what is the ability that you have given me and I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do? The question is, what are we doing with what we have been given? What are we doing with what we have been given? I think this is interesting here. Listen to this. So, to do something with the talents the Lord Jesus has given us, there must be opportunities given to us. I don't want you to lose that part. God has given you talents. 
And then he gives you the ability to handle and to do well with that talent. But if you have ability and you have talent but no opportunity, then it's still no good. It's a waste. So now today I want you to think about this. The talent that God has given you or talents, the ability he has given you to handle that. Now the question is, do you think you have been given opportunities to now utilize, to put in action those talents and the ability that God has given you? Because we need opportunities to make it work. And that's what God is doing in our midst right now. It's over. He's already given us the talent. He's already given us what we need. He's already given us the ability. Now all he's doing is presenting the opportunities. And it's up to us now to ask ourselves, with what God has given me, am I fully engaging in the opportunities that is coming my way to utilize what God has given me? You're quiet on me. Be quiet on me. You heard me said as I made the announcement about this coming Tuesday, we're going down to the court, the, the municipal building, because that's the day we're going to have our youth variant. And you heard me say, sometimes you might not know a whole lot about something, but you go for the experience. Now, I'm, a, I'm not going to take a whole lot of credit for this because I'm a curious person. I like to learn. I like to find stuff out. And so I'm a curious person. So maybe I'm not the right person to say this, but I still will say this. The bottom line is this for us. We as a people never know where the, we never know where the opportunity is coming from that God is giving us so we can utilize the talents and the ability that he's given us. We don't know where the opportunity is coming from. We don't know when it's coming. We just know if God has given me the talent and God has given me the ability, the opportunities will come. I just don't know when and where they're coming from. So guess what? As long as I'm available, remember I used that word just not long ago, as long as I submit to him and make myself available to him, then I will put myself in position to be a success. We talk a lot about in the old days how we used to run. Uh, we were just busy. Those were opportunities. Those were opportunities. God was giving us, giving us opportunities to learn. He was giving us opportunities to begin to do some things so we can grow and, and begin to, to, to just really understand what he has entrusted us with. And so if we don't take advantage of the opportunities, we're going to find ourselves filled with talent, have the ability, and nothing to show for it. All right, I'll keep moving. You will receive opportunities according to the talents you receive and ability you have been given. The Lord knows what he expects of you, but he also knows you cannot fulfill your purpose if you're not given the opportunity that's necessary. Opportunity, church, is so important at this juncture in our life as Christians. 
opportunity is what it's all about because you have what it takes to do what God wants you to do. But if you don't look out and see the opportunity and cease that opportunity so you can fulfill God's purpose in your life, then you're just existing with that talent and that ability and you're not doing what God wants you to do. Opportunity is very important and we can't overlook that. None of us will get more opportunities than the other to be successful. None of us will get more. So whatever the talent that God has given you or talents that God has given you, the ability that he's given you to handle those talents, you will not get more opportunity than the next person that have talents. He gives everybody the same that they need. It's just that we all have different talents different ability to handle our talents but you don't get more opportunities than I do and I don't get more opportunities than you do it comes down to what we do with the opportunities that we get all right what is said concerning the man with one talent it is not alleged that he wasted his master's good When we read about the man with the one talent, it didn't say he wasted the goods. He simply neglected his opportunity. The man with the one talent was no different from the ones with the two talents and the five talents. The man with the one talent had the same opportunity as the other two with the two and the five talents. They took the opportunity to do something with the talent, and the one talent says, I'm just going to neglect it, and he never took the opportunity. That's the difference between us that we're talking about, that God has given us all the talent and ability that we need, but now the question is, who is taking advantage of the opportunities that God has given us. And who was just saying, ah, let me get into that a little bit more. He was not notoriously wicked, but left undone what he had the ability to do. He didn't just go and just do something file with the opportunity, with the, with the, with the goods. He just didn't do anything with it. Listen, life is to be made productive. Many are content to do nothing because they cannot do some great thing. That's what we sometimes are are, are dealing with. We are content in doing nothing because we can't do some great things. Because so many of us want, especially nowadays, we want to make a name for ourselves. We want to make sure people hear about us. And so if what we ought to do don't seem like we will make a name for ourselves or it won't seem important enough, we just neglect it and say, whatever. And then we start looking at other people because we have to now build our excuse or reason as to why we're neglecting the opportunity that God has given us. He who buried the one talent would have buried 
five talents or ten talents or twenty talents. He would have done the same thing no matter how many talents he had because him not doing what he was supposed to do had nothing to do with the talents. It had something to do with the character, his heart. What is he about? That's why he went and buried it. It wasn't because uh, something went wrong in his life. His heart was wrong. His heart wasn't right. And so he neglected his opportunity. It was a character issue. It was not any issue with what was given. So if he would have had more, he would have still done the same thing because it was just something within him that made him go and bury. Many of us will miss out on what God has for us because we say, listen to this, we say this, oh, if I only had that man's faith, oh, that man, if I only had the money he has. Oh, if I was just as eloquent as he is. Oh, if I had the same amount of time that he had. Oh, if my marriage was as good as his. Oh, if I had a family that was all saved and living for God, that would be great. And I would do a better job in serving God. A lot of us are sitting back. And saying that, we might not be saying it out loud, but we're sitting back saying, if this was right, and if this was different, and if this was like that, I would do a whole lot better serving God. You're being like the one talent person. It's a matter of your heart. It's a matter of your character. It's a matter of who you are. It has nothing to do with the talent. It has nothing to do with opportunities, because God has given opportunities. God has already given talent and ability. It has to do with what will you you do with what God has given you. No sense of saying, oh, you wish you was just a little bit more eloquent. You wish you had just a little bit more faith. Oh, you wish you had a little bit more money. Oh, if all my kids were saved, it would just be so much easier. I was reading the other day, and I like to try to study the Lord. Maybe if if you would ever say if there's any one particular thing that I get locked in on in living for God is trying to study him, to learn as much as I can about him. And you know how he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. We say it, we read it, we believe it. But a lot of times, I don't know, we sometimes can understand what it looks like. You know how some things we read, like, all right, I know what it's saying, but what does it look like? How do I do that? And I happened to flip back the other day and read how you seek the kingdom. And this is an example. Solomon. Solomon had a responsibility, whether it's king or usher. It doesn't matter what it is. You're in the kingdom. You have a responsibility in the kingdom. And Solomon said to the Lord, listen, Solomon could ask for riches. He could ask for anything. But Solomon asked the Lord for something that only had to do with the kingdom. Lord, if you put me in this position to lead your people, 
And you're going to have to give me the wisdom on how to discern and know what's good from bad and what's right or wrong. How am I ever going to be good at leading them if you don't give me good wisdom and insight to know how to lead them? It was strictly about the kingdom. He could have simply said, God, you know, uh, I'm busy doing king work. You know, I want to make sure my house is taken care of. Will you bless me with this? He could have went so many ways. But he said, Lord, I need to be effective in the kingdom. This responsibility you have given me, show me how to execute it with effectiveness. And that's when God gave him riches and everything else. That's if you're trying to figure out what does it look like when I seek the kingdom? It looked like us sitting around, kneeling down, walking around and saying, God, help me to know how to reach my neighbor. Because they seem so tough. They always walk around mean. If I try to smile at them, Lord, they don't want to smile back. Help me to reach my neighbor. How does that benefit you? How did that give you something? It doesn't. You have now just seeked the kingdom. And now he says, when you begin to seek after those things, everything else in your life, I'll make sure you're good in that area. We got to learn the principles and the ways of God. And so a lot of times we're chasing, man, I can't even say this any better than I can tonight. We're chasing after money and success and riches, and we miss the point and the concept that when you seek first the kingdom, God will give you the riches. God will give you the money. God will give you all that you need when you seek the kingdom first, but we're doing it wrong. We're trying to make our way and get what we think we can get and use all of our education and use all of what we got to try to get as much as we can, and we're saying, when I get to the kingdom part, I get there, but right now, I got to take care of my family. 30 years ago, I didn't hear a lot of people talk about they got to take care of their family. But did people take care of their family 30 years ago? Sure they did. Sure they did. But today, we got to take care of our family. And I'm at the point where I believe that's an excuse for whatever we're trying to do or not do. Because obviously, what we say, when you're a parent and you say, oh, I help my children with their homework. You better not say that out loud. You are their parent. You're supposed to. Oh, I go to work to make sure my kids eat. You better not say that out loud. That's what you're supposed to do. So we can't talk about what we're supposed to do. First of all, we who told you to have a family? You did that. So don't go around telling people how much you got to take care of your family. Obviously, you better take care of your family. But we got to go around to talk. Now, all of a sudden, now we got to talk about that. God says, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. And when you seek the kingdom, your family will be taken care of. I never forgot when Brother Hodges came. You know, we struggle with this. We struggle with understanding because we've heard different teaching on this. That how do you live your life successfully as a Christian? You know, that success thing. And we said, well... God, family, home, job, I forgot how we got it all labeled. And it never did sit right with me because I just felt like somebody was going to get short-handed by categorizing it like that. 
And I remember Brother Hodges saying, it's God and that's it. What do you mean by that, Brother Hodges? God will guide me how I serve him. God will guide me in how I lead my family. God will move me on how I take care of my family. We don't have to separate that. Once you become a child of God and you're a Christian and born again, everything now is about God. And you don't separate and say what the order is. No, everything you do is by the power and the will and the word of God. Nothing comes second and third. It's God living for God and bringing everything along with us. We just have to ask God for wisdom as to how we do it all. But if we start saying, oh, it's God, and then, you know, my spouse, and then my children, and, you know, our home, and then the job, mm, not good. Not good, not good. It's just God. And we incorporate everything we incorporate everything in that. That's how we're supposed to live for God. And if we live for God like that, we will see it. This is why he can say, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Because when you seek God's kingdom first, you don't really have to seek anything second. You don't have to seek anything third. You don't, what did he say? You seek ye first the kingdom, and all these things shall be. Come on, y'all got to hear me tonight. When you seek his kingdom, everything else that you need, he will provide. But somehow we're not having faith to believe if we seek the kingdom first, he will provide everything else we need. Listen to me. My wife always teased me. She used to tease me and Brother White about that we don't really have a job. What kind of job y'all got? <laughs> What kind of job y'all got? But I believe with every fiber in my being that God understood that he knows. Forget about the understood. He knew that every opportunity I would get to serve him, that would come before everything else. And he gave me a job in 1996 that allowed me to make sure he is always going to be first and he's going to drive everything about me. And so sometimes, mother, even she said, what are you doing? Are you working? You sure you're working? I said, I'm on lunch. Everybody want to know about all of this stuff. But all I got to tell you is I'm just an example of someone who seek first the kingdom and then all the other things is just adding on. It's just adding on and adding on. I'm not bragging. I'm just trying to use an example for you to understand that God gave me a job that you would not believe. Would not believe. Now, for those of you that don't know how that job come along, that job came along. I was working three jobs. Well, that became the third one. I was working two jobs, and this job became the third job. And this job paid me $7.25 when I started it. The other jobs were paying me more. One was paying me, the waiter job was paying me five to $600 a week. The toll job was paying me, I don't know, ten fifty or something like that, an hour. And this job that I'm working today was paying me $7.25. And I wanted to serve God. And the only way I could have served God with all my heart and all my mind, I had to quit two jobs and go with the cheaper job. The one that was paying me $7.25. That's all she wrote. That's why y'all talking about me today. He ain't got no job. He, he got a title. I don't even know what his title I don't even know what building he goes to the work. 
That's since 1996 when I made that decision to say I'm going with a cheaper job because that's the job that allowed me to go to Sunday night service and all the special events because I put the kingdom first. It's not bragging, church. I'm just trying to let you know you can trust God that if you seek the kingdom first, all these other things will be added on to you. Why did I go with that job? I went with it because it allowed me to serve him first and do everything for him first. And then all these opportunities just came. I took them and ran with them. I don't know where some of you were when every speaker that came to our district or that came to our church, listen, I can shut my eyes and walk to Philadelphia Airport. I know every crevice in every corner in Philadelphia Airport because I've been going there a long, long time picking up speakers, bringing them into our town and driving them around. I've been doing that a long time. That might have seemed like work to some people. Opportunity. What I'm teaching you tonight is something I've lived and I'm still trying to live. Opportunity. Seek first the kingdom. What God has given you, you just utilize it because he will give you the opportunity to use it. We must take the faculty that God has given us and employ it in the right way. Listen, listen to this. The rabbis used to say that before the stone and timber were brought to Jerusalem for the temple, every stone and piece of timber was marked. So that before they started for Jerusalem, the architects knew in what place that particular piece of timber or stone should fit. So guess what? We, as saints of God, are marked for, this, for a particular place in the church, the body of Christ. And so let's not complain. We need to realize that God has a place for every one of us in the church, and we're marked for that. We can't try to do what we want. This is his kingdom, and whatever he wants from us, that's what we're supposed to do. And we will see that we will do great and prosper, and God will really bless us because we're doing what he wants us to do. When God designed you and created you, the plan was already in motion for you, and all the blessings that come with it was already in motion for you, and all you got to do is just be in agreement and submit to what God is doing, and your life will be so blessed, and your life will be such a great success because you are walking in that plan and that purpose. Your life will be a great success. Some of us are saying, I want to be the foundation in the church. Some of us are saying, I want to be the cornerstone. But what we should be saying is, whatever God has marked me for, that's what I want to do. That's where I want to be because I want to be a success. And the only way I can be a success is being who God wants me to be. Not be and not do what I think is what I should do. Listen to me. Whatever doesn't get used will die or become ineffective. Whatever doesn't get used will die or become ineffective. Down to your muscles. Don't exercise your muscles and see what happens. Miss Anderson, tell them about that. 
I was I was laughing at you the other day because I took my grandmom to the to the doctor and they told her she got to move her stuff around before she get frozen shoulder. I was on the floor. <laughs> I almost passed out. I almost passed out. Because I don't know anything about frozen shoulder. But the, the point is, if the shoulder is not moving, it becomes frozen. So whatever that does not get used, it can die. It can freeze up. It can become ineffective. God has given us talents and ability to use those talents. If we don't use it, it's going to become ineffective because we're not using it. Whatever we have been given, we must use it or we will lose it. Oh, you don't believe that? The two and five talent individuals, they got to keep their Lord's. They got to keep what their Lord gave them and what they gain as well. However, the one talent person had his one talent taken away because he did nothing with it. Let's look at this real quick. In verse 19 of the, the text we read earlier, after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckon with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained besides them five talents more. Okay, what did the Lord says? His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou has been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. So here is the picture of it. He brought the, the, the ten talents. He got five. He brought ten to the Lord. He was supposed to be, this is how good our God is and we keep missing it. He brought ten. He only got five. He brought ten. If the Lord was like some of us, he'll say, all right, give me back my five and keep working with that five. That's not what the Lord did. Keep that ten. I'm just going to keep on giving you more. I'm just going to keep on giving you more. He didn't take it from him. He said, keep that. I'm just going to pile on more. He did the same thing with the two-talent guy. But the one-talent guy that neglect the opportunities, give me that. He had zero, zilch, nada. Nothing, because, because, because that's how it works. And I believe sometimes that's how bitterness get into our heart. Because, you know, we did what the best we could, not the best we could. We did what the Lord wanted us to do with what he's given us. And somebody else didn't do anything with theirs. And they start getting upset because they see somebody getting blessed. But the person that's getting blessed, all they did was took advantage of the opportunities they had been given. And the one that's not getting blessed decided to sit on that talent. We shouldn't do that to each other. Shouldn't do that to each other. Whatever the Lord has entrusted us with, we must put it to work. That it can be doubled or reproduce itself. All that we have, and indeed all that we are, belongs to God. We have nothing that we can call our own. Any takers? Any takers? What do you have that you can call your own? Uh-huh. You don't belong to you because you're not responsible for you being here. <laughs> uh, you stop and think about it, you, you get a little nervous, right? Well, I don't. And if you don't pay the taxes on your house, 
I don't even want to keep going. All I want you to know is that you have nothing that you can call your own. We call it our own because that's just kind of the terminology, but nothing we have is our own. Our possession, nothing we have is really our own. And you ready for this one? And when we leave here, we leaving it. You ain't taking it with you. So really, what do you have? In 2 Corinthians 5 and 9, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. So here I'm finishing up. I'm closing for you. Success in the kingdom of God is not the same as success in this world. Success in the kingdom of God. Well, let me go back to the world. Success in this world is defined as what I said earlier, the accomplishment of one's goals, the attainment of wealth, position, honor, or alike. A person or thing that has success as measured by attainment of goals, wealth, etc., etc., etc. That's world success. It's how you have obtained the goal that you have set out to obtain. Did you get what you say you would get? Did you achieve what you said you would achieve? In our world, that's success. Are you wealthy? Are you, uh, 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 people think that you're some honorable person. Oh, that's success in our world. However, success in the kingdom of God is defined as being faithful unto God. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. Success in the kingdom is being faithful unto God. How can you say that, preacher? I've got the text. We read it over and over. When the Lord of those servants appeared, he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. When you do what you're supposed to do with what God has given you, and you have been faithful to what God has given you to do, that is success. Success don't have to do with volume. Success doesn't have to do with numbers. Success in the kingdom of God has to do with being faithful to what God has called you to be faithful to. I know that we've been conditioned to think success is how much I can do, how many responsibilities I can have, how, 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 how everybody recognize me, how famous am I, you know, how high am I on the food chain. But I'm telling you, that's not the way it works in the kingdom of God. We have to get that out of our mind. We have to say, God, what have you called me to do? The talents and abilities you've given me. I want to be faithful to doing that because that's when I'm successful. This is why we can, we can all be successful. Because think about it like this. If success had to do with numbers, Brother D, we all had to have a church, a mega church, to be successful. And God already knows you know, what he calls us to do. So because God called a man, he'd been pastoring 25 people for 25 years, what do you think, he's not successful? If that's what God called him to do, and he's been faithful over those 25 people's life, then guess what? He is pleasing God, and that is success for him. 
and the one that's pastoring 1,500 and he's been faithful to that, he's been successful as well. Success is being faithful to what God has called you to do. This is why it's so important to go and revisit what talent has he given me, what ability has he given me, because I need to be faithful over that. I'm not worried about what anyone else is doing. I need to be faithful over what God has entrusted me to do. So whatever talent, whatever ability God has given you, be faithful over that. A faithful servant of the Lord is, here are some words that, 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 that tells you what a faithful servant is when you look up the definition of faithful servant or just faithful, trustworthy. When you are faithful to what God has placed you over or what God has called you to do, it means that you've been trustworthy in God's eye. Forget about everybody else. In God's eye. Here's another example. I hate that I got to use myself as an example, but I'm trying to make a point before I finish up here. I remember when I was leading our evangelism team, we went out a lot into the community and witnessed and evangelized and all of that stuff. And some Saturdays, 35 people show up. Other Saturdays, 20 people show up. Other Saturdays, 15 people show up. Some Saturdays, two people show up. Some Saturdays, one other person show up. But I never flinch and wonder why I got to go through all this when it's only one person. It never bothered me. Whatever God had called me to do, I don't need to worry about what anybody else is doing. If that's what God called me to do and only I show up on that day, then that's how it is. I'm not complaining. I'm not asking God why. All I know is I just want to do what he called me to do. Trustworthy, dependable, reliable, obedient to the instructions of the Lord. Faithful. That's what God is looking for from us. If we're going to be a success, all that warrants is us being faithful unto the Lord. Luke chapter 16, verse number 10 says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. Again, go back to that one talent guy. Don't lie to yourself and say to yourself, you know, if I had just a tad more ability, I would be better. Than, I, would, I would commit more. Don't do it. The word of God says, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And so that's why God started us all out with something small. And if we can't get it together with something small, this is why old timers were strict with this. Some of, some of us young people wouldn't like it, but they were strict with this. Old timers used to say this, Brother Bradley. If you can't fill up two pews of people that you want to the Lord, you ain't called to be no preacher. That's what the old timers used to say. Now, it sounds harsh, but if you think about it, it got a lot of merit to it. Because when you go to start a church, you are trying to minister to people and help them to grow in God and love them and all of these things. And if you don't show that you are faithful over a couple of people the Lord allowed you to reach, how in the world are you going to be faithful to 50 and 100 and 150 people? It's impossible. So we have to start being faithful over the little things. Whatever little thing that God is calling you to do now, if you're faithful over that and you continue to be in that, then you will begin to see more and more and more. God will continue to give you more. 
You can't just jump to something big. God does not operate his kingdom like that. Just giving you something big. He doesn't do it. He starts small. He starts small. So he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in least is unjust in much. So if we're not good at taking care of little things, same thing. If we get big things, we'll do the same. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, talk about money. If you have been unfaithful, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you your trust, the riches, true riches? We need to think about that, about how faithful, how much, how do we handle our money? If somebody go through your checkbook, what would they think you give the most to? And if we have not been faithful in that which is another man's, ready? This is a cut. This is a cut. And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? So God, I remember somebody said this to me a long time ago. And I said, man, so many things have transpired. And so I'm here. I've learned a lot over the years. And I remember a preacher came into our church and he says, you cannot be claiming to be called of God to go start a church if you don't stand behind another man's vision like it's your own. Oh, that was heavy. Heavy. If you don't stand behind another man's vision that's fallen after God like it's your very own. Now, that's now that's tricky, though. Maybe I got to talk to the Lord about this because I did that. And then God had to fight with me because I did that. <laughs> so I, I, I'm, that's interesting. Because when God was calling me to start this church, I said, no way. I'm taking care of my pastor. <laughs> I fought him. I just kept going. No, I got to make sure the man of God is straight. You know, you know, my mom, no, my mom always teased me. I, I remember when my mom first moved down to Florida, she teased me. She said, man, when I moved, first moved down to Florida, you ain't never spent one Sunday down there. She was right. Never spent a Sunday. If I went down on a Thursday, oh, I'm leaving Saturday. Or the one time I stretched it and left 6 a.m. Sunday morning so the flight will reach Philadelphia at 8.30. And I was Zooming. Zoomed to get to church. 10 o'clock I was in church. Because I was standing behind another man's vision like it was my own. And when God told me it was time to go, I'm like, nah, man of God need my help, Lord. And me and God fought till, he, of course, God wins every battle. He fights. So I had to give in and just go do what he want me to do. But the point is, if we're going to move as individual, if we're going to fulfill God's plan for our life, we've got to stand behind another man's vision like it's our very own. No servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And so I'm going to end here. Success is not in the kingdom like success as defined in the world. Success is being faithful over what God has entrusted you with. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. What is well done about? Because you did what you were supposed to do. And when you do what you're supposed to do, that is success. Not what somebody else does. Not what everybody else thinks success is. You just be faithful over what God has called you to do. And God says that is success. 
well done. Give me one more scripture. You don't have this. Um, what is that? Joshua 1 and 8. Joshua 1 and 8. I'll give you one more scripture just so you see. This book of the law, word of God, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shall meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written, according to all that God has said, therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have... When you are faithful over what God has called you to do, that's all this is about. Be faithful over what God has entrusted you with and called you to do, and you will have good success, and he will say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. If we get to heaven, that's what we're going to hear. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And we will hear that when we are faithful over what God has entrusted to us. Let us stand. Kingdom success. Kingdom success. I don't need to know about worldly success. Because that's not the success I'm striving for. I'm striving for success according to God's purpose and God's will. That's the success I'm striving for. And if you will hear everything that I've said tonight, and you will apply what I've said here tonight, then your ways will be prosperous. You will have good success. And God will say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because that's what this is all about, being faithful over what God has entrusted you with. Your time is not over. As long as you're breathing and living, God is still working in you, working out what he has in you. So don't you give up whatever it is. Just be faithful in that. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, thank you for your word. Lord, I don't want this word to be just another word. I don't want this lesson to just be another Thursday night lesson, Lord. But let it grip us and grab a hold of us. Oh, God, begin to stir up in us, Lord God, what you have invested in us, what you have, oh, God, given to us for us to be faithful over, Lord God. Let every person in this room, every person that will view this lesson, every person that is online tonight, let every person begin to get an idea and an understanding uh, of what you have entrusted in them, uh, what you have given them for them to be faithful in all God, how they will use what you have given them, Lord. Uh, I pray that this word will resonate, uh, this word will grip us, uh, this word will move us to action, Lord, uh, that faith, Almighty God, will cause us uh, to see as you will have us to see uh, and to do what you will have us to do. Uh, Father, strengthen us by your word tonight uh, and help us almighty god uh, to be faithful 
Help us, O oh God, to be faithful. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be faithful. We ask you these things, Lord. We ask you these things, Lord. As we give you the praise and the honor, there is none like you. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Blessed be your holy name. For you are great and greatly to be praised. Lord, as we go tonight, as we dismiss this service, Lord, we pray your hand be upon us and that this word will not leave us, but it will take a hold of us. That we will meditate on it day and night, Lord God, as your will is being done in us, Lord. We want to hear from you. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. In the name of Jesus. We give you honor and praise. We thank you tonight in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Put something in the building fund tonight. God bless you. We love you. Have a great rest of your evening.